Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are. Leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. On March 27, 2018, Samantha Sperry went on an ATV ride in the swampy woodland of Kentucky with her boyfriend's father. They reportedly ran out of gas and got stuck for the night. Yet, only the father walked out of the woods the next morning. Samantha Sperry remains missing, and both her boyfriend and his father have questionable stories as to what happened that night. Welcome back to Missing. I am Tim here today with Lance. Lance, how are you today? I'm doing pretty well, Tim. How are you? I am doing great. In this episode, we speak with our cohort and co-worker, Jennifer Amell, about the mysterious disappearance of Samantha Sperry, which is a case from 2018 that was recently submitted to our friends at Private Investigations for the Missing. That's correct. The private investigations for the missing organization just keeps on rolling. We keep getting these cases submitted to us, these missing person stories, and the team of researchers is growing, feels like daily, and they put together the best information. They suss out the details, which gives us the opportunity to raise the visibility and the awareness of these missing people. Samantha Rose Sperry, unfortunately, is one of them missing since March 27th of 2018. Samantha was 25 when she went missing. She'd be 29 now, and she is 5'6", 120 to 130 pounds, a blonde white woman with some tattoos, a rose with a skull on her right shoulder, two roses and the word rose on the right side of her lower abdomen, and a tiger lily and a sunflower on her left thigh. And anyone with information on Samantha's disappearance, please contact the Graves County Sheriff's Office in Kentucky at 270-247-4501. And make sure to check out Private Investigations for the Missing on social media and at investigationsforthemissing.org. Welcome back to Missing. How's it going, Jen? I'm pretty well. How are you guys? Couldn't be better. Always a delight to have you on. We're going over another missing person story, one that was brought to us by way of private investigations for the missing. And what can you provide us uh, for background on that? Samantha's case came into private investigations for the missing and our good friend and researcher, Michelle Tooker, provided all of the research for this case. Thank you, Michelle. And Samantha Sperry is a Caucasian female with strawberry blonde hair and hazel eyes. She has the following tattoos, a rose with a skull on her right shoulder, two roses, and the word rose on the right side of her lower abdomen. 
and a tiger lily and a sunflower on her left thigh. Her ears are pierced along with her eyebrow. Some accounts refer to Samantha as Samantha Jones Sperry. And the tattoo of Rose is indicative of her middle name, Samantha Rose Sperry. And she's been missing since March 27th, March 28th of 2018. She's from Graves County, Kentucky, 25 years old at the time of her disappearance. She was born on August 20th, 1992, which would make her 29 years old today. Five foot six inches, about 120 to 130 pounds. And she's a mother of two with a daughter and a son. Tina Artis, Samantha's mom, describes her daughter as the type of person who is always willing to help anyone in need. Her family also describes her as strong-willed and a doting mother on her two young children. She also really enjoyed gardening and reportedly had a green thumb. Samantha has a great sense of humor, and her family used to tease her because of her lack of cooking skills. So she could definitely garden, but cooking, maybe not in her wheelhouse. Unfortunately, as a teenager, Samantha experimented with drug use and she did eventually go through a drug rehabilitation program, which addressed the problem. And she was sober for six years. But unfortunately, again, she started using right around the time of her disappearance. And her family was planning to suggest to Samantha that she goes back into the drug rehabilitation program again. And at the time Samantha went missing, she was also going through a separation from her husband, as well as custody negotiations, which I'm sure could be quite stressful. And Samantha was living in an apartment in Murray, Kentucky, and worked at a local McDonald's. Shortly before she went missing, she began dating the 30-year-old Ren Hendrickson. The two had known each other for most of their lives and had actually dated prior to Samantha's marriage. And I'm assuming after she was getting a separation from her husband, she started dating Ren again. And before we get into the details of Samantha's disappearance, I think it's important that we understand the people she was last seen with. One of them is the individual, Ren Hendrickson. She was also seen with Dusty and Paul Holder. So Ren Hendrickson, as we said, is uh, Samantha's boyfriend. Uh, Dusty is Ren's father, although I don't think he had much of a hand in raising Ren. I think they were kind of reconnected later on in life. And Paul Holder is Dusty's brother, which would make him Ren's uncle. And Samantha, Ren, and Dusty were all at Paul's house on Tim Road in Hickory, Kentucky on the evening she was last seen. As previously mentioned, Ren and Samantha had recently started dating, and they had known each other their whole lives and reportedly had dated before Samantha was married. And Ren was 30 years old in 2018 and also had a history of substance abuse, but also incidents with the law. At the time of Samantha's disappearance, Dusty Holder was 47 and his brother Paul was 54. Again, that was 2018. And between the three of them, Ren, Dusty, and Paul, they all had records for various criminal charges. So apparently not very clean individuals. And according to reports, Ren himself, his family, they engaged in the cooking and selling of methamphetamines. Also, they were engaged in selling marijuana. So with an understanding of these key people and factors, we can move into the details of Samantha's disappearance, which can be confusing as there are several accounts to consider, conflicting reports, drug use, and some very unusual circumstances. So it's not clear if Samantha went missing on March 27th or March 28th. And this is because Samantha last made contact with her family on the 27th. There's also this vague report that a witness had seen her in the passenger seat of a car on the 27th. However, the last people to reportedly see Samantha were Wren and Dusty. 
They said they saw her on the evening of March 27th, and Dusty also said he saw her in the early morning of Wednesday, March 28th. Okay, so the only report that we have of a sighting of Samantha on a day that was not the 27th is Dusty's report placing her on Wednesday the 28th. Yeah, exactly. And as we get into it, we'll kind of become a little suspicious of Dusty's story. And Samantha's family didn't have contact with her at all on the 28th, and no other witnesses have come forward to report that they saw her on the 28th. So according to her family, their belief is that she disappeared on the 27th. I just want to reinforce that point, right? Yeah, and according to Wren and Dusty, on March 27th, Samantha and Wren traveled to Paul's house. They say she was wearing a gray hooded sweatshirt, gray stretch pants, and a red waistband and sneakers. And Dusty and Wren admitted to using drugs this evening. Yeah, it seems um, they were both using meth that night. I think it's it's difficult when somebody had been using drugs because it's it's hard to piece together a linear story because people's memories are a bit confused um, if they do use drugs. And people don't act the way they typically do. Uh, when they were at Paul's, Ren and Samantha got into a verbal argument. Who knows, that could have been fueled by some of the drug use. And that was according to Dusty's version of the events. Ren, however, denies having an argument with Samantha and... He says he was on the phone trying to buy drugs when Samantha asked to go on an ATV ride with Dusty. So according to him, there was no argument. He's on the phone and Samantha is asking Dusty to go on an ATV ride, which apparently they did. Yeah. So they apparently took off on the ATV that Samantha and Dusty, they went into the wooded area around Paul's house known as Kaler Bottoms. And this area becomes swampy when there are heavy rains, which there had been some heavy rains around this time. So Ren states that he finished his call to allegedly buy drugs and waited for his dad and Samantha to come back. He says he's circled the property in Samantha's car looking for them, but was running low on gas. And after some time, he left in Samantha's car and spent the night at her apartment in Murray, Kentucky. He figured she would call him at some point. This is strange to me. I mean, it's not strange that he took Samantha's car around looking for his, you know, girlfriend and father. I mean, if they didn't return after a couple hours, that would be pretty worrying. It is strange, however, that he took Samantha's car and went back to her apartment. I mean, unless his uncle said he couldn't stay the night or, or something like that. Yeah, I don't really see how driving the car around the property is going to help find uh, find Samantha in the woods um, out on the outskirts of the property, you know, and I agree it is a little weird to bring it back to your house or her apartment. And now, meanwhile, according to Dusty's version of the events, while driving around Kaler Bottoms on the ATV, it got stuck in the mud. He claims it was dark, so he and Samantha decided to spend the evening in the woods and try to find their way back out in the morning. Which I'm not quite sure what the weather's like at the end of March in Kentucky, but I can't imagine that it's comfortable, especially when you're talking about a swampy, you know, rain-soaked area. Yeah, well, Dusty claims that they, like, kept warm on the ATV, but the vehicle ran out of gas, and at that point they made a fire pit. I think the weather reports from that night say that it was between the 40s and 50s, and it was raining, too. So you can imagine what an uncomfortable night that would be. 
And at dawn, Dusty says he and Samantha walked out of Kaler Bottoms, exiting near Highway 131 and Highway 849, which is about a mile from Paul's house. And they were soaking wet, cold, and exhausted per Dusty. So this is the sighting from Dusty that's on the 28th, early morning on the 28th. Yeah, that's correct. Well, he claims he was with her the whole night and into the morning. Right, but this is the 28th now. Yes. Okay. And and placing them on Highway 131 and Highway 849. And according to Dusty, he suggested they go grab breakfast and warm up at a nearby market, but Samantha declined the offer, deciding to walk to a nearby cousin's house instead. Dusty instead headed north towards the market, and Samantha apparently headed south. And if Dusty's account is true, this is the last known sighting of Samantha. This um, is a bizarre decision if Samantha did decide to do this. To her knowledge, she hadn't had contact with her boyfriend, Ren, so didn't know that her car had been removed from Paul's property. I mean, in my mind, if I had to spend a night out in the woods and I just wanted to go home, I would probably find my way back to Paul's house and get my car and drive somewhere. No? Yeah. And I mean, why didn't they walk out at night? I mean, they just didn't know which way was, was which, I guess? I suppose so. And also, why is that conversation happening once they come out on the highway? Why, why, I mean, why is that decision happening then? Instead of saying, once we find where we're at, we should probably grab some food or something. It just feels like a bit contrived to me that once they figured out they're on the highway, then it was like, oh, I remember that market. I, I just feel like that would have been a conversation somewhere along the way getting out of the woods. Like, what are you going to do after? Right. And you just spent all night in, in the woods. Why are you splitting up at this point? Yeah, it's very strange. Only a mile from the house and, you know, where her car was. And um, But part of this story, at least, is true because police later confirmed that Dusty ate breakfast at the local market, though he made no mention of Samantha while there. So I guess he ate alone. I'm curious if he was wet and cold. That's a good question. Yeah, I mean, you definitely show signs of having spent the night in the woods. There's also another thing to note that might cast shade on this decision of Samantha's to go to a cousin's house. She didn't actually have any relatives heading south. And if she was headed to a relative's house, she would have headed north in the same direction as Dusty. So no witnesses have come forward to report seeing Samantha walking along Highway 131. This is a relatively well-traveled route, um, so it would have been quite busy during the morning rush hour and I'm sure she would have been seen. And throughout the day on March 28th, Samantha's family tries to reach her via phone but cannot get a hold of her. And later that day, Ren reportedly returns to his uncle's house in Samantha's car. He speaks to his father and hears the ATV story. And he grows distraught and leaves. And where's Paul during all this? Great question. Yeah, that is a great question. Apparently there, but he doesn't really come up too much in the story other than it being his house. Yeah, interesting. Well, shortly after Ren leaves, he FaceTimes his mother, and he's extremely upset, and he's parked on the side of Doom's Chapel Road, which is not far from Paul's house or Tim Road. And according to his mother, he says he believes Dusty has harmed Samantha, and he tells his mother he has ingested a large amount of pills and is going into the woods to die. So he's now threatened suicide or attempted suicide, apparently. Yeah, I mean, this is... This is a crazy response to not really knowing what happened, not having any answers. And not even knowing that Samantha's missing. 
Right. Exactly. I mean, they didn't come home all night and he, he left too. According to his story, he left Paul's house. It wasn't like he was waiting there the whole night for them to come back. He took Samantha's car and went to her apartment. So he doesn't know if they came back at this point. Yeah. I mean, those two should have figured Samantha was at her cousin's house at that point. Yeah, because he, according to Dusty, Samantha told him that she was heading in the opposite direction to go to her cousin's house. Right. She should be at work by now, as far as they know, although without her car. Very interesting that Ren's first reaction is to FaceTime his mom and attempt suicide instead of going up the street in her car to her cousin's house. Yeah, those are pretty drastic measures. Apparently later on that day at 7.20 p.m., Ren's mother, she calls the local police to report her son missing now. Law enforcement did not immediately begin to look for Ren, and there are several reasons for this, namely the fact that Ren is familiar to law enforcement. And get this, he's considered an officer safety risk from prior armed encounters he's had with police. So at this point, law enforcement is not aware that Samantha's missing as well, and they're not looking for Ren because... He's apparently too dangerous to go look for? Apparently. That's a little ridiculous to me. I mean, even if a person has a record or if they abuse drugs or whatever, if they are reported missing, it's the police's job to go look for them. And I guess Ren's mother didn't tell the police why she thought Ren was missing because he told her that he thought Dusty had harmed Samantha and he was now going to go kill himself. So her call to the police didn't include that part? Yeah, I wonder if she said that he was at risk for suicide, too, because that would kind of um, make this missing person um, a priority in law enforcement's mind. Yeah, I guess we don't know what uh, what she said to the police, but Samantha technically wasn't missing at this point as far as the police knew anyway. Yeah. That's true. A report had not been filed on Samantha at this point. Does it strike either of you as curious why Dusty wasn't contacted by police if Ren's mother told them that he thought Dusty harmed Samantha? Yeah, I mean, we don't know if the police contacted Dusty. Like, it doesn't seem like they did much work on Ren's missing person report at all. And at 9 p.m., Samantha fails to show up for her shift at McDonald's. When Samantha's mom, Tina, learns that Samantha did not show up for work and did not call in sick, which is out of character, she is extremely concerned. So this brings us to Thursday, March 29th. Tina, Samantha's mom, contacts police to file a missing persons report for her daughter. But according to the reports from the family, due to Samantha's substance use issues, police do not initially take her disappearance seriously. Seems to be a pattern with this department. But that evening, officers do locate an abandoned Ford Taurus on Dooms Chapel Road, which is Samantha's car, which was abandoned by Wren before he disappeared into the woods. And a deputy searches that vehicle and then has it impounded. And Samantha and Wren were not found, obviously, and they're still missing. Yeah, still missing by this point on the 29th, both of them. So it holds up that he was parked on dooms chapel road in samantha's car and placed that facetime call to his mother threatening to go into the woods and commit suicide we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsor and a thank you to our sponsors back to the program that brings us to friday march 30th the first search for samantha is conducted 
Officers locate Dusty Holder and interview him to get his version of events. They take him out to Kaler Bottoms to conduct a search, which is kind of a strong move, I guess. Yeah, I think in this case, he said that they had to like hunker down for the evening in a particular place. So if the police are planning a search, they would need kind of a start point for that search. Good point. Um, I don't know why he didn't tell them that they had emerged out of the woods. Like, why wouldn't they start searching there? And apparently the police ask an unnamed local who has pretty decent, extensive knowledge of the terrain out there to conduct an independent search of Kaler Bottoms, which is interesting as well that now they're reaching out to almost like an independent contractor that's not law enforcement. Yeah, I mean, they just might have been short-staffed and, and needed somebody who knew the area. Yeah, at this point, two people apparently out there separately. While deputies and Dusty are searching, the unmaimed man located the ATV. And so it was out of gas, and there is a fire pit beside it containing two burnt cell phones. And these phones are later both determined to belong to Dusty. So the family says that Samantha's car keys were also found near this fire pit, but law enforcement hasn't really confirmed this detail. But if this is true, then how did Ren take her car? He either had to have gone into the woods and taken the keys off of her or like before, like seen them in the woods, taken the keys and then taken the car that night or went back into the woods, located Samantha in some way and took her keys off of her. Were there any reports that there was a spare set that Ren might have been using? Not that I heard of, but that's a possibility. But this scene is pretty strange, right? So some of it is corroborated. The The fire pit, uh, the ATV is out of gas, but two cell phones, not even just one, two cell phones of Dusty's are burnt beside the fire. What is going on there? It's not like you're using your cell phone to start a fire. This suggests to me that he might have had a couple of burner phones. Literally. Now, this aforementioned unnamed man finds only one set of footprints in the mud around the ATV and only one set of footprints leading out of the woods. Uh, This unnamed man is pretty remarkable that he's coming up with all of these clues and he finds no evidence that Samantha was even in the woods. Yeah, I I guess except her keys, if that part is true. Um, Yeah, strange that there's only one set of footprints around this fire pit. And when police learn of these details, which they conceal from Dusty... They start realizing there are issues with his version of events. They leave Kaler Bottoms and ask Dusty to come in for an interview that evening. And like good police officers, they obtain a search warrant for Samantha's residence and conduct a search that lasts into the next morning. And in a police statement released in October of 2018, law enforcement states that several items were seized from Samantha's home and submitted for analysis during this search. But no details are available at this time regarding those items, unfortunately. This is really interesting to me um, because of the keys point again. And again, back to why did Ren take, you know, why, why did he sleep at her house, right? He, she's not there. She's apparently in the woods. He took her car, went to her apartment and slept there. And where were her kids? Her kids were home at that point too. I'm not, maybe with the dad, I guess. But um, very interesting that police uh, considered multiple items from Samantha's home evidence, uh, considering that Ren had just spent the night before there. I would really like to hear a statement from Paul, the uncle, whose house they were all at. I mean, can he confirm that they were all at his house that evening? And if anybody left? 
And as Friday night came to a close, Ren and Samantha remain missing. Which brings us to Saturday, March 31st. And according to law enforcement, no searches are conducted on this day. And Samantha and Ren continue to be missing. And then the next day on Sunday, a group of individuals had conducted their own search for Samantha in Kaler Bottoms. They don't find her. But that evening, Ren emerges from the woods, acknowledging that he's been there for at least five days. He's hypothermic and dehydrated, so he's taken to the hospital for treatment. Now, what's your opinion on why they didn't conduct any searches uh, that Saturday? Is it because they had something else in mind, that she wasn't actually in the woods and there was no reason to search? Yeah, I don't know. Anything we say is like speculation at this point. And in a recent interview, Ren describes his time spent in the woods as a time of paranoia and confusion. He says he did not know that Samantha was missing and only learned of the news while at the hospital. Okay, so that contradicts what he told his mom on the FaceTime uh, in Samantha's car. Yeah, exactly. But... This also supports your point earlier. I think, Tim, you said it, that at that point, the next morning, he wouldn't, if he had gone to talk to Dusty, he didn't know that Samantha was missing, which doesn't explain why he went into the woods in the first place. But yeah, definitely two competing narratives here. Yeah, I think like the the fine details, we don't really know. We, according to him, all he knew was that he thought Dusty had harmed her. So he's in the woods to kill himself. Maybe he is paranoid. And that's his reaction to that, his very uh, hyperbolic reaction to that, is is to go into the woods to die, but then wandering back out again. Yeah, I wonder if he did take those pills, or if he brought some with him, or he, I don't know, went to find Samantha? I don't know what his thought process was in even entering the woods. And on Monday, April 2nd, Ren is brought in for police questioning. He shares his version of events with police, including the fact that he took some of Samantha's belongings into the woods with him and lost them. Uh, What? This fact struck me, too. So according to Ren's story, the night Samantha went missing, he took her car, he went to her house got a couple of her things and then that next morning he went back to paul's house talked with dusty and that's when he freaked out and went into the woods so all this time he has a bunch of samantha's belongings like maybe he thought if she did spend the night in the woods she would need a sweater or toothbrush i don't know what could these belongings be and why did he lose them he he's losing evidence in the woods uh, you know whether it's intentionally or not uh, i don't know and it's only evidence because he brought it into the woods with him right and the police obviously haven't revealed what the items are uh and through that statement that they released in october of 2018 it mentions that these items obviously like you said tim would be valuable evidence for samantha's case but to this day the items haven't been located the police haven't said what they are and as we've stated samantha continues to remain missing. So Ren is uh, officially hiding evidence now. Yeah, apparently by scattering it through the woods. And the search still continues today. Law enforcement says they are still actively pursuing leads in Samantha's case and trying to locate her. And we haven't mentioned much about the ex-husband because according to reports, her family, including him, were all interviewed and they've all been ruled out. Yeah, and the, the focus remains on Ren and his father. 
So much so that they apparently took polygraph tests. And both of them passed, apparently, which I'm surprised about. However, authorities uh, say evidence contradicts Dusty's version of events, but they've not elaborated further and no charges have been filed. And from where we sit, it seems like one of these people definitely knows more, if not both of them. Yeah. This next point is completely crazy to me. But during a search for Samantha in April 2019, the police located an underground bunker in Simsonia, Kentucky. Inside, they discovered a 41-year-old fugitive named Ernest Dean Hendrickson, who was wanted on a parole violation. So there's this like con hiding out in a bunker in the woods who happens to have the same last name as Wren. They find a bunker during a search for Samantha and happen upon a fugitive Mm -hmm. with the same last name. Yeah. But according to police, well, they haven't said anything whether this Ernest Hendrickson was connected to Samantha's disappearance. Correct? Yeah. And they refuse to comment on if Ernest is actually related to Ren. But I think according to police, um, they say this guy Ernest was in police custody at the time of her disappearance. So he wouldn't have had an opportunity to harm or hide her. So now we come to June of 2021 when Ren was interviewed by a local television news station. It was an hour long. He's very candid about his drug use and states that he still misses Samantha and he's always loved her. This is during this interview. And Ren admitted that he was high on methamphetamines the evening he last saw Samantha. He states that he was distracted and on the phone when Samantha said she was going to go for a ride on the ATV with Dusty. Ren says it was not out of the ordinary for his dad to take friends out on the ATV. Yeah, and he states several times that he's not sure whether or not to believe his father's version of events. He claims that his dad won't even look him in the eyes and that when he's asked Dusty what happened that evening, his father tells him to stop asking so many, quote, damn questions. And this interview apparently is long and ambiguous and very speculative at times. But Ren remains emphatic that he doesn't know what happened to Samantha. Doing this interview kind of strikes me as like a chess move on Ren's part, like against his dad. Doesn't it strike you guys like that? Oh, for sure, right? Yeah, I mean, what if his dad called up and decided to do an hour-long interview first and said the exact opposite, that Ren doesn't look into my eyes anymore? And then you would assume that Ren was hiding something. Yeah, the the one thing that's striking is how long it's been since the events occurred. So in June of 2021 is when he decides to do the interview. Uh, I guess to your point makes me think that this had been building for a little while, that one of them was going to do something publicly. Yeah, that makes sense that they would try to kind of steer the narrative away from themselves and onto the other. What remains the same in both of their stories is that Samantha was last seen with Dusty. So that is a little bit more suspicious on his part. I don't think Ren is, you know, without question in this. But if Dusty was the last one to see her alive, then he for sure has more information than he's giving 
Well, it seems clear that either Dusty or Ren know more than what they've revealed so far. And until police can find new evidence or someone comes forward to share new information, Samantha remains missing and her family is left with many unanswered questions. And yet Samantha's family is steadfast in their search for her. They're active on the Facebook page, Bring Samantha Home, and there is a $10,000 reward for information leading to an arrest and conviction of whomever is responsible for Samantha's disappearance. And anyone with information on the disappearance of Samantha Sperry, please contact the Graves County Sheriff's Office at 270-247-4501. If you'd like to spread the word about Samantha's case, visit facebook.com slash samantha.jones.sperry.